0: Good morning, church. Are the, those sentiments that were just sung, sung are they the, the very core of who you are? Are you desperate for Jesus? Are you lost without him? Do you know how much he loves you and how much, how much we need him? Let's open in prayer. Father, we come before you now asking that as we move from these wonderful moments of worship in song to a time of being in your word that you would open our hearts up to the teaching that we're about to hear to the truths of your word which will sustain us through difficult days through joy-filled days but most of all Lord will we always have that feeling of desperately needing and wanting to know Jesus more and more help us now May your Holy Spirit guide us as we take an overview of the book of James. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I thank everybody who's participated this morning. I especially am excited that we will be together next week. Although this is a wonderful vehicle to be able to be live streaming the service, there's nothing like being together, singing the songs of praise to God together, hearing the word of God and being encouraged in it Together, So will you put it in your calendar right now to be here at 95 Taunton Road uh, East next week uh, at 1030. Join us and let's worship God together. Well, uh, you know, I was uh, chatting with Kathy a little bit about this message this week and uh, it came to mind that she had received some, uh, a box of, of really great memorable items from her uh, great grandfather they were items from the war he had been in the war and he he'd received a bunch of letters that had been written to him while he was uh, fighting in the war and what was beautiful about those letters they were letters letting people know about how things were back home and i don't know about you but Getting a letter today is a special thing. I received one from a a pastoral colleague about two months ago, and I was almost shocked to get an actual handwritten letter. And it was an encouraging letter. Uh, Today, to the greater extent, letter writing has gone the way, as some have said, uh, the way of the dodo. It's a a letter writing, a form of kind of like what we might refer to as voiceless, mobile communication. It came from somewhere, but uh, it's not immediate. It took time to write, it took time to be delivered. There are no emojis in it. Do you remember when there was a time when there were no such thing as emojis? Maybe a smiley face, but that's about it. But letter writing for thousands of years has been the ultimate form of distance communication. And to the greater extent, as I said, it's lost a lot of its glory. Yet, it's still a powerful and meaningful uh, and relevant form of communication. So let me just say right now, uh, write somebody a letter. Just let them know of your love and your care for them and send it off with a real stamp uh, in an envelope. It will be well appreciated. Today, we're going to look at a letter that was written, and it was a meaningful, memorable, powerful, and very helpful letter uh, that came from a man named James to a group of Christians that really needed to hear from him. And so I want to just talk through the the who's, the where, the why's, the when's of this letter and give us a quick overview so that over the next 5 weeks beginning next week we will look at each chapter of the book of J- uh, of the overall book of James and just give a high level understanding what was James really trying to communicate. He had one shot at communicating in this letter and he chose really five major subjects to deal with. And so we're going to look at that over the next five weeks. But... I did say that the letter was written for James. If you're in your Bibles right now and you open up James to chapter one, it says James, the servant of God and the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So who is this man named James? Because as we look through the scriptures and as we know of the times, there were more men called James than just one. There was James that we know of called the son of Zebedee. He was the brother of John, the, uh, the apostle James, the apostle John they were fishermen, the fishermen that Jesus called and became disciples, and later became apostles. <clears throat> now, you know this, James, as one of the uh, the brother of, of John who was were the sons of thunder. Remember that <clears throat> they were boisterous young men, and eventually, as James was serving Jesus after Jesus had passed, uh, he also was killed. By Herod in about 44 AD. Then there was James, the son of Alphaeus, Uh, James who is known very little about. uh, He was known as James the Younger. Could he have been the James who wrote this book? Uh, James the Younger was known to be potentially the uh, apostle who took, uh, or the disciple who took the gospel to Persia. Is he the, the James that wrote this book? How about James, father of Judas? Well, even less is known about him, probably not the one who wrote this book. But then there is James, the brother of our Lord. Yes, the half-brother of Jesus, who did not believe in his brother at, at first. He was, he was there, he watched Jesus, he actually denied Jesus for who he was. Uh, yet, there came a time, That time was at his crucifixion and his being resurrected from the dead that James, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, recognized Jesus for who he was, God of all creation and the Lord, the Savior of the world. Well, most likely this is the writer of James. uh, And we appreciate this because of who James was, a man who at first, uh, close to, to Jesus by By relationship, he had to make a a very important decision. Is this, my brother, truly the Messiah that has been talked about? And yes, he came to realize he was the Messiah. And so he came to know Jesus personally. James was a man of great faith. He became a great leader in uh, the Jerusalem church. He became the leader so much so that when Peter was released from being imprisoned, shortly after John was beheaded, he sent word to James at the church in Jerusalem and honored him as a leader there. And James himself was also martyred in 62 AD, a man who loved Jesus and gave himself his life for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, James was so well known as a man of prayer. They said, "We don't know if this is true." They said that he prayed so much that his knees were that like of camels, hard and callous. The last thing I want to tell you about James, uh, the half brother of Jesus and the writer of this uh, epistle, is that uh, as he was martyred, he was either thrown off the pinnacle of the temple or he was beaten to death. A man who did not truly believe that Jesus was God who died for the sins of the world would never have done that. Would never have gone in that direction. So we believe it's James, the half-brother of Jesus. But next is the most important thing uh, next to that would be who were the official intended recipients of this really important letter. If you look at chapter 1 verse 1, it goes on to say James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion greetings. So it tells us that he's writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Now, 12 tribes is very Jewish. uh, Obviously, he is writing to a Jewish audience. And this word uh, dispersion, the original Greek is diaspora. And that's how we get this transliteration of that word into dispersion. It means to sow throughout, to distribute in foreign lands, um, to scatter abroad. And that's what's happened. Jesus uh, has gone back to heaven. And uh, the the, uh, the unbelieving world around him, Jews and uh, the Romans were now starting to persecute uh, believers and many of the believers in Jerusalem scattered abroad for fear of their lives and they, like in, in times past, uh, went to many different nations, but they brought the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they went. And so we see here the intended recipients were Jewish Christians, They were called brethren in the Lord. And many of these people were poor and oppressed. Uh, and uh, being Jews, they were rejected not only by their fellow Jews for being followers of the way, that Jesus person, but also uh, rejected by Gentiles, uh, by all others that were not Jewish. And, and so we see a, a group of people scattered abroad, oppressed, Missing their homeland, yet uh, a letter comes to them to encourage them to lift them up. Next question that's so important as we look at this new book that we're going to get into is when and where was the epistle written? So, in reading our New Testament, it's really important to cross-reference, to understand historical times and activities that happened. What we want to mention here is that there, in this letter, there was no mention of the Jerusalem conference. If you go into Acts chapter 15 another time, and you read, there was a conference where um, uh, many Christians came to Jerusalem as they were able to talk about whether uh, gentile christians were supposed to follow jewish traditions paul he was there at this peter was there james was there but there was no mention of this in the book of james uh, you also see the word synagogue so what's interesting about this historical fa- these historical facts is that when we look at them closely what it tells us is that the book of James was probably the very first book written that we have in our New Testament. The first epistle, the first book that went out to the people to encourage them. I can only imagine what this must have been like for all those who were scattered abroad, especially since I am sure that they knew this was James, the brother of Jesus, the one who at one time didn't believe, but then gave his heart to Christ. And it was probably written from Jerusalem. So many things direct us to the fact where James was in Jerusalem, that's probably where this was written from. Now the big question is, and here's the big question really, is why did James write this letter? Sure, he wanted to be an encouragement to all those Jewish believers that were scattered abroad. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to lift them up. But as he writes, he writes uh, on several themes that really emphasize the practical aspects of the Christian life. Now doesn't that seem reasonable? Here are all these Christians scattered abroad saying, "Okay, I love Jesus. I want to I want to Be a bearer, an ambassador of the good news of Jesus. But how do I live my life out in light of pressures where it's a difficult culture in which I live? Sounds very much like today. How do I, in 2022, live my life in such a way that I bring glory to God and encourage people to put their faith in trust? In Christ. Now, if you read throughout the New Testament, you read many of the books written by Paul, and Paul loved to give us deep theology, truth about God himself. And we need deep theology. We want it. It really is important. But James moves into an area that he takes that theology and puts it into practice. He gives us several great themes of how good theology leads to Great life, a great life for Jesus as a believer. So, the purpose of his letter, the real purpose, was to teach believers what real faith in action should look like. You know, this is so important to us today. People are watching. Do you believe that? If you've claimed Christ as your savior and and people around you know, uh, this guy, this gal, they they claim Christ as the Lord of their lives. Uh, They watch. They look to see how are we living out our lives. And so let's just give a brief overview of the next five chapters of James. Because James in chapter one reveals true faith and actual action will endure trials and temptations. Look at James 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In other words, we should have joy in knowing that God uses our trials. I know this is hard for some, And until you're in a certain trial, until you you step in the shoes of someone who is dealing with a great and hard trial, it may be trite for some to hear us say, trials lead us to be better, to grow in our faith. But that's what God has said here. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Because in the end, it produces steadfastness. Trials remind us first and foremost that there is a better life to come. Do you believe that? This is not the end. This life is not what it's all about. This is just a part of the path, the journey to an eternity where we can be in the presence of God should we have put our faith and trust in Christ. Temptations, trials, these are those things that are adverse circumstances in our lives. Maybe it's being um, hurt by a loved one. Have you ever been hurt by a loved one? Where they've said or done things to you and it goes deeply at the core of who you are. Maybe you've lost a loved one and that bereavement is so painful. Maybe you're challenged with uh, poverty. Maybe you're challenged with some kind of oppression or sickness those challenges, those trials and temptations, when we give them over to God, when we trust God and we live out those trials and temptations in the power of God, with the Holy Spirit guiding and leading us, they lead us to greater heights in our walk with Jesus. Maybe some of these trials are even more terrible. They're almost as someone would say diabolical, like actual temptation or uh, an Where you recognize Satan is actually trying to lead you away from faith in Christ. Just like Jesus experienced in Matthew 4 in the desert with all those trials and temptations. But these things, these things should be stimuluses to joy. Knowing that God has you in the grip of grace. That they lead you to a steadfastness, to an assurance that God has you. And that Christ has saved you. You know, when we're brand new Christians, uh, we have this genuine faith and it's untried. It, it's sure enough because it's all because of what Christ has done. But our faith is innocent, it's untried. And as we begin to go through life, that faith, it deepens, it matures And because of trials, because of temptations where we give them to God and he strengthens us, we begin to flourish. Do you feel like you're flourishing today? If you don't, maybe it's time just to go back to God and say, listen, God, I'm struggling. Help me in my unbelief. Help me to lean into you. Help me to be led by the Holy Spirit so that it's not my life, but it's your life in me. All right, that's chapter one. True faith and action will endure trials and temptations. Chapter two reveals so clearly, true faith and action will be seen in how I treat others. Okay, I wish so much that I could tell you that we we live in a world where there's no discrimination, where everybody treats each other with great value. I wish I could tell you that no one would judge you because of of skin color or because... uh, that um, you you are uh, of equal value to them. We are in a world that is discriminatory. We live in a world of favoritism. And I think all of us, to a certain extent, have felt discrimination at one level or another uh, the, of how we look or how we sound, how we talk, whether we're large or skinny or athletic or not an athletic. And the point is here, as James unfolds this subject in chapter 2, it's not how we react when we are discriminated against. It's how are we reacting to others? How are we treating others? Are we loving people equally? Are we caring for others equally? Do we value for example, those with less, as much as we value those with, who have much. The reality in our world is that we are, no matter who we are, going to be facing discrimination. But may we never be the ones who discriminate. The question for us today, right now, as we think ahead to chapter 2 of this wonderful epistle is does our faith in Jesus cause us to love, to care for, and to treat others equally and lovingly? Chapter three, we're just moving through this fairly smoothly, fairly quickly. Chapter three reveals true faith in action is heard in the words I speak, probably the most famous chapter of this epistle. Uh, Uh, there was an old saying, an old um, tombstone that read on a uh, wind-swept hill in an English country churchyard. It says, "Beneath this stone, a lump of clay lies, Arabella Young, who on the twenty-fourth of May began to hold her tongue." Wow! What a tombstone. I want to hope that I never earn a tombstone like that because I was not able to tame my tongue. Uh, A wise sage has observed as you go throughout life, you're going to have many opportunities to keep your mouth shut. Take advantage of all of them. Take advantage of all of them. And so, as we move into James chapter 3, we're going to look at the tongue. We're going to see how James has moved from maybe a little bit of preaching to some people might even think meddling. He's getting more and more personal. I wonder what he was hearing and what he was experiencing in those 20 or, or, pardon me, 15 some years after the death of Christ. What was the church struggling with? Was it the tongue becoming out of control. I often think of this for myself. If God's changed my heart through the new birth, the saving faith that he has granted me will inevitably show itself in a life of good deeds. But I think that life of good deeds begins with good words. How I speak. Because out of my thoughts will come my words. And my words are specifically where my heart will be at. Uh, Genuine, true faith yields Christ's lordship over our tongues. Do you get that church? Think about this. When we've given our heart to Christ and he is the Lord of our life, truly his lordship will begin in the words that we speak. King David wrote so eloquently in Psalm 141, verse 3. He said, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You know, we all have little monsters in our lives that we have to deal with. And I think the tongue is that that one little monster that never goes away. It's like it's got to be kept in a cage. And that only happens when we daily wake up and ask the Spirit of God to tame our hearts and tame our tongues. All right, that's going to be chapter three. Moving right along, chapter four reveals true faith in action is recognized. In my attitudes. And I think this is an appropriate next step for James to talk about because really it goes right to the heart of who we are. Think about this. I was thinking about uh, that time in a moment in history when that uh, beautiful of all angels, he was referred to as the day star, the son of Dom of dawn his name itself spoke of brightness and his name was lucifer and he was thrown out of heaven the angel of light was thrown out of heaven crashing into the darkness of the pit because of one thing and that was vanity was pride True faith in action is recognized in my attitude and that most awful attitude that we have to deal with on a daily basis is pride. Uh, Theologians describe this sin as the father of all sins. We end up going down when we're trying to lift ourselves up in our pride. It's the most common of sins, don't you think? Through strange enough, most of us don't even realize when we're proud. We, it takes a moment where we stop and, and, and just be honest and we recognize, I've been lifting myself up and not God. How do we recognize it in us? We have to take time in God's word, in prayer, and say, Lord, open my eyes if i am lifting myself up about above others and most importantly above you. Okay, lastly, the last chapter we're going to deal with of this epistle is chapter 5 obviously, and it reveals so clearly that true faith in action is observed in how i prioritize my possessions. How i prioritize my possession. And now It it may be easy for many of us to think about this passage and say, oh really, it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to a lot of us. Uh, Not many of us are dealing with wealth like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or Elon Musk. We're just average everyday people. But being rich, being wealthy is a relative term, isn't it? It's so relative. Just think, a Gallup poll has told us that one third of the world lives on less than $2 per day. Can you imagine $2? We are so very fortunate here in Durham region, in Canada, in North America. We have so much in this land compared to all of those outside of this that a third of the world is just trying to get a meal on their table and keep some kind of a roof over their head And let's not forget, that's even happening here in our region. So, true faith in action is observed in how I prioritize my possessions. That was a funny story that uh, uh, I was told once about, uh, you know, people who uh, put items, uh, stickers on the bottom of uh, their possessions. I think we're going to talk about this later. That remind us uh, that... uh, We pass our things on because we never get to keep them. And sometimes you'll find your kids putting their little names on them uh, saying, I like this thing, maybe I can have it later. Because possessions are meaningful, yet do our possessions possess us? That's the question here. Do our possessions possess us? Well, so that's the who, the when, the where, the why. So over the next five weeks, let's carefully listen to James's sage advice. This godly man who fully surrendered his life to following the Lord Jesus. Let's remember that the Christian life as he speaks about it over these five chapters is a surrendered life and a transformed life. A life that once was one of being and doing, uh, which was to lift ourselves up and bring us pleasure, now to a life which brings honor and glory to God through how we live it for him, of being reflections of Jesus Christ and ambassadors of the good news, that, that a good news that there is hope and abundant life in Jesus James 1.22, got your Bible still at hand? James 1.22 says, "'But be doers of the word and not hearers, "'deceiving yourselves.'" <clears throat> in uh, universities and colleges, there's uh, courses called Applied Sciences. And what those are all about is they take a lot of the theory that is taught in many other courses, and they actually take that theory and work it out and how it will make a difference in real time in society, in whatever those courses are all about, building buildings, doing medicine, um, teaching things, applied sciences. I think what James has done has given us a treatise, an applied science treatise of how to live out our lives for Jesus in a way that brings God great glory. So I hope you look forward to it as much as I do. Let's take James, unpack it over the next five weeks, and see what God is going to teach us about not just being uh, hearers of the word, but to being doers of the word. Not for the sake of uh, gaining salvation. Salvation is already ours in Christ. But for bringing God glory by working out the truth of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that today we've had a chance to really uh, look at uh, the book of James in a quick flight over the top and understand that James has given us, had, gave, had given those new Christians who were dispersed throughout many lands a great start on how to live out their faith in Christ. So thank you that we get to do that again today. It's an epistle that is meaningful even today, 2,000 years later. So, Father, bless us as we read it and as we understand it, obey it, and see others blessed by our lives. And it's all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well, Han, do you mind if I just join you for Please. a few minutes? Good, All just, right.
0: Good to have you here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good to be here. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to this very much. In yeah. fact, can we just chat about it? Let's do that. All right. So, this is really exciting for all of us as a church family because we get to engage in the book of James in several ways. Well, the first way is like what you just explained to us. We're going to be um, hearing these sermons over the next five weeks here when we're here in person. We get to do it in our bridge groups. And just like you heard in the video, we have bridge groups happening and we're going to be digging deeper into the book of James.
0: Get in a group.
1: Yay, thank you for that. And here's the third way, as individuals. That means you, that means me, that means you. Yes. That means all of us as a church family here um, at the bridge, individually, we're going to go on an adventure. And we've been hearing about this adventure over the month of December. And you may have been sitting in your pew going, I wonder what that's all about. We're here to tell you about that right now. A 28-day spiritual life adventure, where we're going to open up the book of James as individuals, yes. and we're going to be reading the word, and we are going to be handwriting it, too. Oh, my goodness. That's part of the adventure. So we want to welcome you to the 28-day spiritual life adventure. It really, it's a devotional adventure where you are going to, in your own time, over the 28-day over the period of the adventure, you're going to read and write out the book of James.
0: Really? So we're going to write it out. Why, why do we want to write by hand, God's word?
1: You know what? That's a super question. And there are many, many reasons. Maybe I can share three of them with you right now. Three would be good. All right. Number one, it really helps us to slow down yes. and soak in God's word. It does. You know, as we slow down and write, we're able to better focus on each and every word of God's word. Yes. So another reason, reason number two, is distractions fall away or fade away. You know, as we look from the pages of our Bible to the pages of our notebook, there are no email notifications, no pop-ups, there's no pings letting us know that we've gotten a text.
0: No emojis.
1: (laughs) No emojis, for sure. It's just such a meaningful and focused and intentional way for us to engage in, in Scripture Scripture, yes. And our quieter and less distracted heart will better hear the Holy Spirit teaching, comforting, leading, directing, yes. and guiding us.
0: That's two. What's All right. Third number
1: runner? three. Oh, number three.
0: Number three.
1: Okay. God's word transforms us. Yes. You know, our reading and writing out of God's word is not wasted time. Never. And as we spend time in his powerful and living word, he's doing a transforming work within us, within our hearts, and within our minds. Several years ago, I led uh, a a group of women through a devotional journey, and one of the practices that we um, were participating in was writing out the Mm -hmm. scriptures that we were were actually studying, and I couldn't believe the responses. I remember telling you that women would email Mm -hmm. me and tell me this was very transformative in their spiritual life. They were slowing down, and they were really understanding what we were talking about. About, and they could really uh, as they got quieter hear what God was saying to them and better apply what uh, was happening and i found exactly the yep. same thing yep. the response was was phenomenal yeah. and then you heard that story yeah. and you
0: <clears throat> i remember that so well yeah. and uh, sometime after that I, I actually picked up a a new pen for myself new notebook and I started to write out the New Testament. It was an amazing adventure for me. I found that it did slow me down. Mm -hmm. That was so helpful for me because I have a very fast thinking process. Mm -hmm. And to slow down as I wrote out each word, to make sure I wrote it out accurately was so well. And it not only helped me to slow down, but I started to recognize I tied uh, where I was reading and writing into other parts of the scriptures so clearly. And that was so helpful. Mm-hmm. But the question people may have is, how will I know what to write each day?
1: Well, I mean, that that's a really... Good question because it can be incredibly overwhelming to even know where to start, but we've got that covered for you because um, we've prepared a notebook for you. It's really going to act as a guide. It's going to look something like this and within that guide, each day is broken down with a specific scripture.
0: Okay, where do I get that notebook?
1: Ah, well, next week when we get together in person and, and we just want you to be here. You are going to get a copy of okay. this notebook. Fantastic. And um, for those of you who watch us online, we want to make sure that you can be included, too. And we're going to let you know next Sunday where you'll find the link so you can download this yes. notebook. You can print it out, or you can follow along online if you'd like. And by the way, if you're in the Durham area, yes. we'd love for you to come in person. We'll Pick one, one up one of
0: these personally. Ones. That'd be great. For now, sure. Um, What what do I need to get started? Apart from that, what else do I need?
1: Oh, well, you know, every adventure, you need to prepare for it. It, But we're just going to assure you, this isn't a big old camping trip that you have to pack the car and you have to do all kinds of things. So it's very, very simple. Three things to prepare. Number one, get your Bible. Number two, a pen or pencil. And number three,
0: your notebook. Okay. All right. So I'm starting to get the picture. Okay. Um, Maybe somebody might be thinking right now, how much time will this take?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we are suggesting, actually we're inviting.
0: Yes, more than anything. We're inviting
1: of all of us as individuals, as part of the the family here at the Bridge Church, to carve out, to make time, to make space, 15 to 20 minutes each day, so that you can spend time with the Lord Just quietly and slowly and read that specific scripture and then write it
0: out. Sounds like a great thing. You know, life is crazy sometimes. What what if I miss a day?
1: Have you ever missed a day?
0: Yes, I have. I have missed a day. And And so what
1: do we do when we miss a day? When
0: we miss a day, we just pick up where we left off the next day.
1: Yeah, because sometimes we just beat ourselves up and make it so that we can't even get started again. Nope just pick up your book your your bible and get started start again start again yes for sure all right because this really um oh no you go ahead i think you have a question to ask me
0: what if my handwriting is horrible <laughs> what if what if i i really suck at at writing <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know what? When we were doing this as a group of women, a lot of women would say that. They yeah. would say, oh man, it's, it, what about the quality of my handwriting? Yeah. It's, what, not,
0: what is, it's, it's not about the quality of our handwriting, really. No, it
1: and it's not, it's not for anybody else to see. No,
0: it isn't. It's about yeah. spending time with the Lord in his word, mm-hmm. listening to him, and then putting our faith into action, turning, t- uh, knowing what he has taught us into doing what he has taught us.
1: hmm Absolutely.
0: Can, can I type it out instead?
1: Yeah, I get that question That's a lot That's the question too. I know
0: people are gonna ask. <laughs>
1: yeah, for <clears throat> sure. Well, definitely it's an alternative way of doing it. But if we can just give sort of a, I don't know, a, a beware yeah, or a uh, be caveat, careful, yeah. that would be the word. You know, we are, um, When we open up a device and we're typing, we usually go real fast and we're usually distracted because there's notifications coming through or there's other things that pop up on our device. So here's our suggestion. If you must type, we're suggesting that you open up a new file on the device that you use and just like you were handwriting, that you type it Very, very slowly. Slow right down, Mm -hmm. yes. Absolutely, and get rid of all of those notifications that might distract you along the way.
0: Think about and and be mindful of every word. If you're typing it, be mindful of every word that you're typing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing. May this be the year, year. 2022, that we individually as part of the bridge church, commit to spend regular and consistent time in God's word.
0: Yes, because it's the word of God that brings brings us into a living relationship with the living God. Mm -hmm. The word gives us uh, stability in those trials like James is talking about. It gives us direction in life. It produces purity in our lives. And the word gives us joy and delight.
1: It does. And you know, Ellen, I just want to finish our little chat here with one more reason to write out God's word. And that's because it leaves a legacy. Do you know, um, our kids did not know that Alan was starting to write out the New Testament in this book, the book that I have right here in his own handwriting. And I still remember the day um, when we were standing around the uh, island talking about it. I'm going to tell the story that you kind of mentioned yeah. in your
0: sermon. Sorry, stole your thunder.
1: <laughs> no problem. You know, my grandma, she used to take medical tape and then write initials on the bottom of like teacups or plates or... Any other possessions that she had to make sure that they were delivered or handed out to the people that she wanted to receive them um, at, um, you know, when the time was appropriate. (laughs) And so, my kids just got a charge out of that all through their growing yeah. up life. And so they would take masking tape if they saw things around our, our house that they they wanted to have. They'd call it, called it, and yes, then called it. that one's mine. And so you have no idea how many things I found masking tape on underneath um, throughout my house, throughout the years. Yeah. But I still remember my grown three children, our grown three children, standing around the island talking with Alan as he was opening up this book and showing them how he been writing out god's word mainly for the purpose of encouraging them i wanted to encourage them and they all tried to grab this book and they were all three of them were saying called it called (laughs) it it came became incredibly evident that you had to do it two more times which are on your second round right now i'm on round two yeah because this is what our kids really really wanted do you know that leads me to say this how meaningful it is for generations that come after you, that come after us, to see the truths that we hold so very dear, written in our own handwriting. You know, some of those in those generations may never pick up a Bible, but they may pick up something that we have written in our own handwriting. And indeed, it's possible that what we are doing today in handwriting out God's word will make an eternal difference in days to come.
0: That's absolutely right. Well, in 2022... Let's be a church that's in the word of God. Deeply, deeply in the word of God. Yeah, you know,
1: it starts with us as individuals. And we need to get into God's word because it changes us. It does. And as we read it, as we love it, as we obey it, as we apply it, we become more like Jesus. And as we begin this 28-day spiritual life adventure um, next week, we just want to make this the prayer of our hearts, and we want to invite you to make it the prayer of your heart as well. It comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse verse 12, 12. and you're going to see it on your screen, and we're going to invite you wherever you are to pray this prayer with us out loud.
0: Pray it with us. All right. Father, your Your word word is alive alive and full of power. Your word is active and energizing. energizing. Your Your word word penetrates penetrates to the the deepest part of of my heart. Your word exposes my motives, my thoughts, my purposes. purposes.
1: Father, Father, change me with your word.